Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is 7 o'clock Monday, uh, Eastern Standard Time. My name is Andre. I am both host and founder of BSTL. What does BSTL stand for? It stands for Building Something That Lasts. So I hope you've been keeping well. I know that the temperature is changing. Uh, I don't mind, but I know some of you are not happy with the fact that you're beginning to have to uh, bundle up a little bit, but you'll be okay. Uh, At least it's not winter yet. Uh, So anyways, we have another great conversation that we're going to have uh, today. I've entitled this one, Is It Timing or Is It Location? Um, I've entitled this one, Is It Timing or Is It location. Now, the reality is today's podcast um, that I would like for us to have, it centers around um, difficult conversations, okay? And as leaders, I don't know that there is a person on this planet um, that doesn't have to have a difficult conversation at some point. Uh, If you're married, at some point, you're going to have a difficult conversation with your spouse, If you're a parent, at some point, you are going to have a difficult conversation with your children. Uh, If you work somewhere as a leader, you are going to have a difficult conversation at some point with somebody on your job. The question is whether or not it's an issue around timing or it's an issue around location. So let me start here. Um, I had a conversation a little while back uh, with a friend of mine, and he had uh, read an article somewhere, and it came to my mind uh, when I knew that we were going to be having this conversation today. He was talking uh, with me a little bit about the best um, spaces uh, to have conversations with children. And here's what he said, and I wish I had the, the article that he was referencing, but that's okay. I, I know that you all are researchers. You can probably find this out by the time we're finished our podcast today. So here's what he says. He says that um, the best places to have a difficult conversation with children is in the car. And I thought to myself, really, that's interesting, um, because, you know, if you've got kids, children, and they don't have a driver's license, uh, that might be a little bit tricky, I I would imagine. Um, And especially for the parent, who is usually the one that is initiating uh, the difficult conversations, how is that person going to be able to make eye contact with their children um, for this difficult conversation? So the more we talked about it is the more that he began to add to why the car um, would be the, um, the best place to have a difficult conversation. He said it was because that whenever there is a tough um, conversation that needs to have between parent and child, um, the reality is it's easier to talk about it in the car because to the parent that is um, operating the vehicle, Um, they won't be able to make eye contact with the child, especially if it is a very difficult conversation. And I thought about it, um, and I thought about it long and hard um, at the point of that conversation that I had with him. Um, And then I thought, you know what, that's kind of ingenious. Um, But what if you don't drive? (laughs) What if you do not have a car and you do not have the luxury of being able to have a conversation with your children 
um, where you are not necessarily able to make eye contact with them, what do you do in such situations? So, of course, we come back to the title of this podcast, Is It About Timing or Is It About um, Location? I think that maybe it's a little bit more than that, right? So, yes, timing is important. And I need to say this, right, because I've also been looking at this book. Um, Let me see what the author's name is. Uh, Three authors. It's uh, co-authored by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. And the book that it's... um, what I'm about to quote that it comes out of is called Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters the Most. So, of course, now we understand that these difficult conversations that you cannot avoid, um, how you have these conversations and perhaps where you have these conversations are important. But they've now added three other dimensions that I think I'd like to add um, to our podcast today. Um, So they've got three different things that um, happen at the point of a difficult conversation. And they say this, there are three different components of this. Number one, the what happened in the conversation, right? So most difficult conversations involve disagreement about what has happened or what should have happened, right? So that's the first part. The second part, they say, is the feelings conversation. Every difficult conversation also asks and answers questions about feelings. Are my feelings valid, appropriate? Should I acknowledge them or deny them? Put them on the table or check them at the door? And then, of course, last but not least, it's the identity conversation. This is the conversation we each have with ourselves about what this situation means to us. We, contu- we conduct an internal debate over whether this means we are competent or incompetent, a good person or bad person, worthy of the love or unlovable. And of course, this is important because of um, most of the difficult conversations that we often have um, with people when we are leading and we're trying to direct or get to a specific place, the first thing that we often start with is, what happened? And now what happened, I think, is important, but how we kind of frame that conversation um, can be difficult because usually when we are having a difficult conversation around what happened, it's not those that we are leading that are, are having those conversations with us. It is us as leaders that are now having the conversation with them. And depending on whether or not you are a wordsmith or you have a good poker face or if you've mastered the art of not raising your voice, or you've got this slow, uh, you know, method of speaking with people so that they don't get their backs up on the wall. Um, The reality is, is that the moment you start talking about what happened, that means that you are probably at some point, if you are not careful, going to get to a place where there may be a blame game that happens there. And when I say blame game, Um, it's difficult because uh, there is a level of accountability, right? Somebody did something um, that caused something to happen, you know, this cause and effect thing. So something happens and you've got to deal with it. Number one, because it needs to be dealt with. But then number two, perhaps something happened that has impacted the overall operation of the organization and or the business, or if you're working for self, whatever that looks like, something has happened that needs to be dealt with. I think that one of the things that we have to be able to lock in on in those moments is 
when this thing happened, is it by design? Um, is it with intentionality? Is it with a mistake? Or is there something else that's happening um, behind the scenes that we may not be aware of? So part of the reason why this difficult conversation has to happen um, is because you probably don't want this thing to happen ever again. Uh, and it doesn't mean that it's the worst mistake, but there is a, a little bit of a ripple effect, right? So if this happens, then this leads to something else. If that happens, then it leads to something else after that. And the reality is, if you are trying to be a good leader, a great leader, a leader who is leading well and also helping to uh, dissolve some of the challenges along the way, there is no other way but to get around the what happened first. And the what happened first also allows you as a leader to understand where do I fit into whatever this challenge is? Because let's be honest, right? As leaders, uh, we might at times think that we are infallible, right? I think, I think that's a good word. Uh, we might think as though we are uh, individuals that make little to no mistakes. Um, but the reality is, is that some of the things that we experience um, on the teams that we lead, they happen because we have not necessarily put some things into place that will allow for um, those that we are working with or those that are we are work that are working for us uh, to be able to do and make a decision in critical moments with or without you that will not come back to harm the organization or the actual team. So we do need to understand what happened because we're trying to understand how did we get from point A to point B. What were some of the steps? Was there something that was missing? Uh, did the individual feel empowered or did they feel a lack of being uh, empowered? And the list goes on. So the what happened is, is a great question because it allows us to get to the answer fairly quickly. But once we've gotten to the answer fairly quickly, we then need to walk this thing backwards and get to a place now where we're able to understand where did we both fail in the process? What are some things that we could be able to um, navigate and negotiate and do a little bit differently next time so that we don't find ourselves in this same space? But then there's also the feelings portion of it, right? And um, if you've been leading for a long enough time, you know that this feelings thing it can really make a conversation go south very quickly. And of course, there's a lot of different dimensions to this feelings part, um, because one of the things that I assume is that sometimes when these conversations don't go so well, um, it's as a result of a broken or a fragmented uh, relationship. And we're talking platonic if we're talking about this in the context of on your job, in the work that you do, within the organization. So what happens is, is that if we don't have a great relationship with individuals that we now need to hold accountable, you can almost be certain, even if you are a wordsmith, even if you are an individual who understands how to have difficult conversations, there will be a, a measure of skepticism that they may have about you, even though you're saying all of the right things, right? And the feelings part of it is this. When, when was the last time you had a conversation with that individual where you're not necessarily holding them accountable for another mistake, right? 
So really, in, in, the, in the thick of things, when you are working, you've got to get things done. Sometimes the time doesn't always permit. You don't always have time to go into the team room. You don't always have time to have them over in your corner office or whatever the case may be. But you seem to always find the time to reprimand and hold people accountable for what may or may not be happening. But without a relationship, you can be certain that it won't go well. So let me just say this, full transparency. I'm not telling you uh, what to do because I've mastered this art. I'm having this conversation with us because as leaders, we do have to understand that in the absence of a relationship with somebody where they will give you the benefit of the doubt that you are not coming for them, but you're there to help them do well and to improve on whatever it is that you now have to speak to them about, um, here you are because it has to happen. And of course, with this feelings thing, the easiest way is this, um, around it, I should say. Um, the easiest thing would be to find somebody else to have the difficult conversation with them on your behalf. Um, I got to tell you, I don't necessarily subscribe to that um, because these difficult conversations may also lead to the repair of a broken relationship. And for those of us that have been working with individuals for a long time, if you don't have the courage to go and speak with somebody about what it is that you are experiencing with them <clears throat> or the challenge that you have with something that may have happened that went wrong, whether it's their mistake or it's your mistake by extension, by sending somebody else to do your job, you are only creating a different issue because I promise you there will come a day where you are going to have to have that conversation with them and what if your proxy, the person that stands, stands in the gap between you and them is no longer working there or away because they're on vacation or they're on sick leave or they've been fired or they trans um, transitioned somewhere else? If your proxy is not there, then at some point you're going to have to be in their proximity and you're going to have to have the difficult conversation. So part of what it is, is that you have to be honest. And, you know, I've seen different leadership styles. Um, you know, people will say, you know, what happened here? You know, tell me what happened. Explain to me what happened. And, you know, sometimes those that are very aware of the different coaching styles that are used, they will pleasure you. They will humor you by answering all of the questions. But they are sitting there saying, why are we doing it this kind of way? You know you want to have this conversation with me because this is what happened. Why can't we just start there and work our way backwards? Why the beating around the bush? Why is it so important to do all of this massaging, which is only going to create more skepticism between me and you because you're not actually being transparent and open with me right away? So as leaders, I don't know, maybe what we have to do is we've got to start with, here is the reason why we're having this conversation right now. This is what happened. I don't know that I have enough context as to what happened, but I know that something happened that we didn't want to happen, but I want to make sure that I'm clear on what happened so I can figure out um, how we can solve this going forward. And I think that that's crucial. And, you know... <sighs> Here in the Western world, um, there's a lot happening, right? Uh, especially during this pandemic, 
um, especially with what's happened um, with George Floyd. That was another global thing, especially when we think about some of the things that have happened around law enforcement and so on and so forth. We've talked a lot about systemic racism and all the different supremacies and so on and so forth. It's a difficult time to put yourself out there as a leader, but if you have been consistent and you have done what you are supposed to do more often than not, even if the conversation doesn't necessarily go well on the front end, I promise you after a while you will develop a name as long as you are doing it without any ill intent as one who people will come to trust even if they don't love what it is that you've been talking about. And of course, so far we've been talking more about the, uh, the, the timing of things, but then there's also the location of things. And I haven't forgotten that there's a third part to this difficult conversation piece that we're having today. There's also this location piece. So, you know, when I would have been younger <clears throat> and, and just learning about how to have these difficult conversations with individuals, um, I don't think that they did it by accident that kind of way or they they intended for it to happen that way but i don't know why it is that we we still have this idea that whenever we are going to have difficult conversations with people it's always in a room that is generally used for reprimand or it happens at the desk uh the corner office of the leader so that the power is there with them right you're you're going to invite somebody into that space to have a conversation with you and already their back is going to be up against the wall so now you are at their desk or in a room where normally it's feedback generally not necessarily positive and that's where you're going to want to do some things can i just encourage us to maybe do some things a little bit different in this area um and i know that we may not always have the time uh, to take people out for lunch. We may not always have the time to take somebody out for a drink. And no, I'm not advocating for alcoholics um, consumption, so please don't judge me. I'm just saying going out to have a beverage, something light, and then you have the conversation there. Sometimes we don't have that luxury. We may not have that luxury, but if we work somewhere in an office, whether it's storefront or in a high rise, we can take 10 minutes and go for a walk around the block um, and just kind of just have the conversation that way because now we're, we're, we're almost neutralizing the conversation because we're doing it in a place that is not familiar or connected to something um, that may be perceived as being negative. So yes, the timing is important because we have to know when and how to do this thing, but the where is also important. And I might argue, depending on where you are working, you know, if it's not a space that is overly congested, what if you were to have some of these coaching conversations right there? You know, as long as there wouldn't be individuals that would be overhearing, um, especially if it was sensitive uh, material that you are discussing, why not um, go into their space where they feel empowered because that's where they're doing their work all the time. That's where they're having their own difficult conversations with other employees and colleagues in the room, what if we went into a space that would allow for them to feel as though they were letting their hair down and they wouldn't necessarily have to have their back up against the wall? Um, last but not least, uh, this third thing is called <clears throat> the identity conversation. 
And this is the conversation we each have with ourselves about what this situation means to us. And this is part of the timing piece, right? Because here's the thing, um, and those that know me well, they know that I have this saying that I've been saying now for a long time, it's principle over preference. So one of the things I've discovered with these difficult conversation is, conversations are that there are some things that we have to talk about or we, we perceive um, that we need to talk about that aren't necessarily principled, right? So we all as leaders have our own quirks and our own ways of doing things, right? And so after a while, when you lead, if you're not careful, you'll stop reinventing yourself. And so after a while, you may have this tendency of saying, I do things a certain kind of way, and this is the way that it has always worked for me. And so I'm not going to adjust because this works. Well, let me just tell you this. It's going to work as long as there isn't a person that it does not work um, with us for. I, don't, I hope that was a good sentence. Whatever, you know what I mean. Uh, the challenge is, is that when we have these difficult conversations, we also have to ask ourselves, is it an issue or is it an issue because it's an issue to us, right? Like the reality is, is that there are some things that we have held individuals accountable for that are preferences. They are not principles, right? So you might say, I'd like you to do it in one, two, three, four. And the person that you're working with, the way that their brains are hardwired, they're going to do four, three, two, one. And every time they do that work, you observe it as being disrespectful or they are not following the rules or they are not adhering uh, to what or how things need to happen. And here's what I've discovered. If you're going to have a difficult conversation about a preference that you have, and it's not a principle, then after a while, you're going to find that you're going to have this thing trickling over into all relationships with others that you are leading with. Because at the end of the day, we do all have our own way of doing things. And it is okay if somebody may or may not necessarily do things your way, as long as things get done in principle. And so this piece around timing, I don't know, it's a little bit of timing, but it's also a little bit of location, because I think that if we can just create an environment in the spaces that we work in, and the truth is we could even do it on Zoom, right? So these difficult conversations that we've been having uh, during the pandemic, we didn't have the office setting. We didn't have the whatever. What we did have is we had Zoom or we had Microsoft Teams and we had all of these different virtual experiences. Some people were using Messenger on Facebook to have um, legitimate, important conversations with leadership. I mean, you've got to find a way to get to people based on where they are or based on where they were during this pandemic. But one of the things that I've discovered is it's not just about the timing, but it's also about the location. And we have to say to ourselves, is what I want to talk about with you, um, especially if it may even be a preference, where do I want to have this conversation around preference? And the only way that you're going to know where to have this difficult conversation is if you actually know the individuals that you are having this conversation with. And so even though we often talk about having an open door policy, uh, it's got to be a little bit more than that. It's got to be on the terms and the condition of those that we are working with. 
Some of them don't ever want to have a difficult conversation in the office because they embarrass easy. Some of them may never want to have a difficult conversation first thing in the morning because maybe they haven't had their morning coffee as yet. Some people may never want to have a difficult conversation because maybe they've never been held accountable. But this relation piece, relationship piece, it's everything for all difficult conversations. And I think that when we have great relationships or professional uh, relationships with individuals, it will allow for us to be able to speak to them about everything and anything. And of course, this is where I kind of want to land the plane, even though I've said all of what I've had to say. We also have to understand that when people come into the office and they are speaking with us about things that perhaps they may be um, being uh, reprimanded for or held accountable for, your office is not the only thing that is happening to them and for them. And one of the things that I've discovered as time goes along is most of these difficult conversations that we often have to have that may not always go well, they are difficult because there's a whole life that is happening outside of work that we have no information about. And I know I can almost hear you, leader. You're saying to me, but guess what? We've got a problem on the job. We've got to fix that first. And maybe what I'm saying is, is that there will always be a problem on the job. But if you are able to, whether through coaching or giving them resources outside of the work uh, to help them sort through what's happening in their own world, then at the end of the day, here's what I think will happen. When we help people navigate life, they will help us to navigate whatever the organization stands for or whatever the organization is trying to do. We have to know the people that we are working with so that the work thing will happen. Because I promise you, when people understand you because you understand them, there's a sense of loyalty that happens both ways, not just from them to you, but also from you to them. And when that loyalty is there, when that relationship is there, when you have that conversation that is difficult with them, regardless of the timing or regardless of the location, then here's what will happen after a while. They will assume that you're not coming for them. And even if you guys have this back and forth because that person may be somebody that is going to speak up and be defensive, no problem. But the relationship will always trump the process. And then, of course, by the time you finish these meetings, if you ask them, how could we have had this conversation a better way, then you'll know how to have a difficult conversation a better way for the sake of them being able to understand what it is that you need from them as well as them understanding what it is that you need from them as, as well. Because if we understand one another, if we build relationships with one another, it doesn't mean it will always be smooth sailing. It doesn't mean that we will always get along. It doesn't mean that we won't always agree. But I think it will always give us a better context as to who we are speaking with and what it is that we are going to be able to accomplish based on the overall context of that individual. And then long-term, you've got a better organization that is constantly sorting through and mulling through and getting through challenges. 
Because if you're a leader that is not having difficult conversations, I promise you, you are helping to aid in creating a septic tank that is toxic, that will um, ultimately cost you your job or cost them their job. Because wherever there is poison, somebody's going to come and try and fix it. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation about difficult conversations. We have to figure out how and where and what it is that we need to discuss. But above all of the sciences behind dialogue, nothing beats a relationship. Wherever we have great relationships, even if we have put our feet in the mouth, in our own personal mouths, people will get a benefit, give us uh, the benefit of the doubt because they know that we're here for their good and not just to get them. If you've enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And if you'd like me to come out and have another conversation with your organization, don't forget to send me an email at bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Take care until next time. Don't, don't avoid the conversation, but don't be in a rush to deal with it until you get to know those that you are leading just as they're getting to know you. Until next time, my name's Andre. Bye for now.